You need to be a millennial robot to understand this joke. Ha 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 ha. Hello. Merlin. Hi, Dan. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Pretty good. Keep it short. What? Okay. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I think I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Feel good. <laughs> Feel strong. Strong like bull. Not my bird. Good, 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 good. So did you have, have some food? I had some food. I had some uh, some some chicken, vegetables, broccoli. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I think my wife is uh, trying to keep us alive again. <laughs> Why, what, what's happening? Alexa, now? stop. God damn it. Alexa's getting saucy. She's starting to jump in where she's not welcome. Um, I think she, uh, my wife, not Alexa, my companion. Uh <laughs> My companion uh, is, uh, I think she's trying to get us healthy again. She got some books. Um, oh, we went to the, we went to the Barnes and Noble this weekend and then she got some books. So uh, we've what, been, we've been, like what topic? Oh, we, you know, she's getting some good food books, some, some paleo ish books. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, but Barnes and Noble has a lot of Lego now. They are mostly a Lego and Harry Potter wizard chest store now. <laughs> we picked up some Harry Potter stuff. Did you? Yep, picked up number five. They they're they're two chapters away from finishing number four tonight. Oh wow! Oh, we're and, ca- we're catching up, and uh, they'll start five this week. But yeah, we got a Gryffindor. Actually, it's a little bit. Mm, I have a couple nits to pick, but it's a it's a it looks like a Gryffindor. It's a Gryffindor hat and scarf. Okay. Now why why is, why am I why have I got a beef about this? Yeah. It is alternating stripes of red and yellow. So you see a scarf with alternating stripes of red and yellow. What do you think? You think I uh, think Gryffindor. Exactly. But it's got a Hogwarts logo on it. Oh, no. So. Not the House Gryffindor. No. no and actually, my, you know, my daughter, I'm so glad we live in such a liberal time. My, my daughter self-identifies as Slytherin. So okay, well, she, you know that there is a sorting test, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did I, she I, I take it? Yeah. Yeah. She, she's come up um, almost always Slytherin. Well, good and, for her. Uh, well, welcome to my, uh, to my house. Is that you too? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, my Ambition, my huh? my son Cash is uh, Ravenclaw. MJ, I, I'm, I'm was always Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yeah. I'm always Hufflepuff. You and you and my girl get along, and my wife. They're all you're all Hufflepuff. Your daughter can read. She can't read, but you can ask her the questions. Does she want to leave at any point? You sit down. We got a test here. <laughs> she she knows better than to try to leave. Did you do it in that creepy sorting hat voice? <laughs> no, no. Greetings, little one. We had a whole Harry Potter themed birthday for, for my boy when he turned eight. Before you go and build a couch fort, I'm the hat that you must sort. <laughs> yeah. Don't no, but you're, your so your daughter, today. your daughter and I are in, both in Slytherin. This is a big deal. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they do good work. Um, yeah. No, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I went to Barnes and Noble. Um, pretty big deal. We don't get to the bookstore very much. It was fun. We had a little uh, family trip there. What else did we get? Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, you know, those, those books are really good. They really are phenomenal. Number five is heavy. Oh, yeah? I think it's like, well, no, I mean, four is where it gets heavy thematically. But but uh, but five, man, wow. I think it's, what is, it's got to be, it's over 700 pages, I think. What, what are you guys on? Uh, we were on book uh, four, just starting book four, maybe a few chapters in. But the, I think that has 736 pages, if I'm right. 
I think, you know, it's my wife. This is, you know, how we, I don't know if you do this in your house, but we split up different kinds of properties. <laughs> you know, it's like a pre-divorce, like different people get different properties. <laughs> right. What are yours? So, well, you know, I mean, I, I cover things. I do, I have comic books. Right. Uh, I, I do Pusheen, uh, the adorable cat. We read Pusheen a couple times a week. Um, uh, my wife does, does bedtime reading. So she's uh, Harry Potter and Avatar. The new Avatar is, uh, wait, Avatar, right? Not Avatar. What's it called? Oh my god! The kid with the little arrow on his head. No, 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 not Arrow Boy. The uh, the, the oh my god! I'm gonna bone. Lose it. What's the name? Bone. Bone. Talking about the book Bone. My kid just know, started reading called? that one. What's it called? Oh my god! I'm gonna lose my mind. It's the series Amulet. Amulet. Yes, uh, he's reading that too. New one comes out next month. They're very excited about cool it. cool stuff. I haven't read it. Is it good? Uh, he's he's reading it on his own. This is part of the evening quiet time where he gets. 15 or 30 minutes, somewhere in there, after dinner to just read. Isn't that strange? I mean, uh, my daughter just started reading by herself kind of out of nowhere. It's I mean, weird. It was not without, without a lot of prompting. Did that happen with you too? I mean, was there, was, no, like, there was a lot of prompting. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a whole lot of prompting here. You want to eat today? <laughs> right. right. You, like, you, like, you like living here in this house? You like this let's, bed? Uh, let's work on that page count, Johnny. <laughs> That's right. Like to see, put some numbers on that board. <laughs> yeah, you do a reading log for homework. Um, we're supposed to ostensibly that <laughs> we do one, but you know, it's like balancing your checkbook. You only do it at the last minute if you really have to. Yeah, and you, you never really have to. No, you know, put money in there; it'll be fine. <laughs> the the uh, the thing with uh, the reading log is homework, man. Homework. Yeah, Jiminy, she's in second grade, and like she's got a fair amount of homework. She gets. Several pages of homework, some combination of usually arithmetic and writing uh, every week. That's due on Friday. So yeah. you have four nights, four nights to do it. Yeah, same. Uh, it, does it ever get done? No. Well, no, yeah, no, but then there's more. Then we've got spelling. And so there'll be um, 10, what do they call it? 10, you know, it's based kind of like, um, not phonics, but it's based on certain like, you know, vowel sounds mostly. But there'll be these 10 words we're learning this week, plus your five like sight words that you do. You have three three spelling assignments for that over two weeks, which you get to pick whatever you want, and then you got the reading log where you have to read every day and write it down. And I'm not saying it's overwhelming, but that's way more homework than I had in second grade. Oh my gosh! Tell me about it. It's it's it, what you described is very very similar to uh, what my second grader eight year old has to do. And I I can't. I've tried to search in my memory banks, but I can't recall when I started doing homework, but I definitely know it was not this early and it was nowhere near this much. And it didn't get to be this much work until uh, I want to like, I, I feel like fourth grade felt like when I started having something I had to do at home. I mean, maybe it was before that, but if, if it was, it wasn't like this. This just seems outrageous. I I have mixed feelings about it. And one of those mixed feelings is these people know education better than I do. Well, yeah. I I'm, I know. I'm saying for myself, like I got into this whole thing going, why are you teaching my kid that dumb math where you count on a line? What is that? Derp, 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 derp. <laughs> but the truth is now my daughter does estimation a, a thousand times better than me. Yeah. Which, which is probably actually like twice as good as me. It's just that I'm, I use hyperbole, which she hasn't learned yet. Um, do you but, find, can you do the math the way that it's taught today? Not unless I stop thinking about it about the way that I learned it. So the, the way that we learned it was non, I'm probably going to use the wrong term here. It was non-algebraic. 
Like the way that we learned it, we learned arithmetic. We yeah. learned that three is always three and four is always four. And, you know, so like, you know, it's, it's a little ha-ha thing to put up your math homework on Boing Boing and go like, like look what a dumbass my teacher is because they counted this wrong. Well, no, go read the instructions because three times four is not the same thing as four times three. Right. They are learning math differently and that will enable them to slide into algebra a lot easier than I did and will prepare their mind for thinking about numbers in a way that I was never taught until it was too late. By the time I got to Algebra 2, I was like, this is all just like number salad to right, me. I don't right, know what number salad. It's all just nonsense to me. But she, you know, the idea of three sets of four and four sets of three are different things. And so things like where we go, so like we get, so I mean, you know, I'm not saying everybody, but I, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to grow. And one of the ways I'm trying to grow is to say like, look at what they want you to learn from this rather than whether I get it. Oh, great. I can do a second grader's homework. Give me a MacArthur Genius Grant. No, because like they say, like the show, no, so what is so if you if you know if um if Dan has thirteen apples and you know Merlin has twelve apples and you know those kinds of word problems, which again I never got in second grade. And she sits there and she draws like a she draws this inscrutable line. She looks like she's a rune, like a, like a witch, like drawing runes to like conjure an orb or something. She's doing these drawing lines between the numbers. I'm like, what are you doing? What is this? What? Why are you drawing all these lines? But then it makes sense because you go, you're, she's learning to estimate because you do, you first you do the tens. Mm -hmm. Like here's a 10, there's a 10, there's a 10. Then you do the ones, one, one, one. And what, what's happening when she's doing that? Well, she's not memorizing what two numbers go together to make another number. She's learning basically the, the roots of like est estimation and orders of magnitude and stuff like that. I think. I think so. <laughs> and yeah. And you're describing it the way that, that, that he's doing it too. And over the weekend, he was, he's recently started doing three digit addition so they just learned it in school and he's this is the weird thing about it you know he asked me for some help with it and there were a few that for some reason he had he had gotten wrong and so they're also doing three digit subtraction and you know you gotta get like the way i would do it you gotta carry the one and things like that so i solve one of the problems and i show him i say okay here's how we would do this one you know you you've gotta you've gotta carry the one actually twice to get the answer on this one and he's looking at it and he's like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we don't do it like that. And I said, okay, well, show me how you do it. And he could kind of show me how they did it. <laughs> but the weird thing is. It's the, it's the transitive quality of misunderstanding. Right. You, you I, both equally misunderstand what the other person is doing. <laughs> what, I don't, what are you doing? No, what are you doing? Right. That's not math. Well, neither is that, dad. I can promise you. I'm taking math right now. You haven't had it in years. That's right. No, and I know he's, I know the way that he's doing it is better because sometimes he can look at a problem and he doesn't have to write it. He just sort of yeah. looks at it and then he writes down the answer. I'm like, how did you do that answer? And he's like, I just, I, I just worked it out in my head. I'm like, that's good, but I want to know how to do that because I can't do that. You know, it's pretty cool. I, I, it is absolutely cool. And I, I'm not saying she's like, what I'm saying is that like my kid who's like, you know, she's an average intelligence kid. Like she's, she's a kid. Um, you know, she is able to do things that I was not paradigmatically prepared to do. Right. Even by high school. So like it was, I think I was probably into junior high at least, maybe high school before somebody taught me how to calculate a tip. Right. <laughs> Where, no, I mean, in the sense of like, well, you know, if you want to be, give a good tip, which back then was 15%. Right. Of course. You know, yeah. you if you want to do a 20% tip, you can take... 10% of the bill and double it. I'm like, whoa, you totally can. That's really smart. So you take off like a zero and then like, oh my God, that's really good. 
And that's so baked into everything she does now. Well, I'm not saying she's 100%, but like she could do a two, two digit times two digit number and like be in the ballpark in a way that I can't. I know. Like you could show me two numbers. This might be 160 or it might be 7,000. <laughs> I don't know which one's close. <laughs> I know. So I don't know, but it is, it, it is. But anyway, back to that original point though. I mean, I can't say that it's too much. I, I'm trying to keep an open mind and be the dummy. I want to be the dummy in this situation because they have things to teach me at this school and nothing, nothing, not nothing. Few things are worse than having 24 kids in a class and all the parents coming in and giving you notes on how to do it. Like, mm-hmm. this the like shut up. They're with these kids every day. They're trained. They know what they're doing. But so you got that, you got the, and then so, so our problem is, and I'm sorry, this is probably not, this is certainly not interesting to, to most people, but it is challenging because you do have, I mean, I'm trying to explain to her, look, you got four nights to do this homework. Like I've seen you just nail this homework in a, such a short amount of time. I was like, you know, what if on a Monday, like you did almost half of it, like you would be so ahead of the game for the rest of the week yeah. and you wouldn't be behind in the count, you know? And she's like, no, no, the teacher says we can't do it all in one night. I'm like, no, no, you don't have to do it all in one night, but just get ahead a little bit. Because then invariably what happens, and she's, she's very much like her dad this way, she forgets to fill in the reading log. We were supposed, supposed to put down what you read, how many pages, how much time, like what specific time you read. And I'm like, you're never going to remember that. But, you know, so then Thursday night, we're frantically going in, like trying to make it, account, yeah. Crooked accountant going in and trying to like doctor the books for, yes, oh yes, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. That was 6.35 p.m. on Monday. Is she, does she have like a uh, particular class that she really excels in? I don't know. Um, it's hard to say. I, I know what she likes. I mean, she likes writing and she likes uh, arithmetic. Uh, she, she's best at uh, social skills. She's astonishingly good at social skills. And she's kind of a little bit, and you notice I'm not here sitting trying to do the hyperbole. Like I have this, you know, I'm deliberately avoiding doing that dumb thing where you say your kid's perfect. Right. I do. I actually do marvel at how well she deals with other people and she has a kind of natural leadership that I never had that I really admire. She's really good at saying, okay, here's the next thing we all need to do. Let's move in this direction. So I think that's, that's I think she has a lot of emotional intelligence in a way uh, that's remarkable. Um, You know, but boys at that age are, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. They're well, boys are way emote just in general. So, so far emotionally behind, but it's funny because they're emotionally different for sure. Different. They, it's amazing because the school sent out this letter and the letter's like, you know, it's coming up time for the parent teacher conferences. And based on your child's behavior in class and performance in studies, yours is optional. What? I have never. I you were getting calls to come in. I what? We were, but not this year huh. and not really toward the end of like last year either. And this is like, this is like a big deal for us. Like we do not have to have a parent teacher conference. He's great in there. And I'm like, now forget the little one, MJ. She's like every, every teacher always like, she's perfect. She's amazing. I'm like, you should see her at home. She's, she's insane here. Every, but Everybody feels the same. <laughs> but like with him, I just, I we're so happy. Like, I don't, I don't know why it changed. It was fantastic. That's, that's really, it's really good news. No complaints. My, my only, mm, I don't know. I, I'm, what is it? It's, hmm. One of the problems is, uh, that like if, if your kid is similar to you in some way, 
I think there, I always feel a great temptation to try and apply some wisdom about life. And, uh, and so I try to catch that and avoid that because nobody needs my goddamn wisdom. Uh, but, but in her case, she shares my distaste for homework. I never liked homework. I always thought it was stupid. I always thought it was a waste of time. Yeah. And I, and I, and it felt like punishment to, to me, which I think it feels like to her. So the only thing is like, I, it, I don't know. It's so, there's, there's so much of it to do. And it seems like it's kind of duplicative of what happened in class, which I guess makes sense. You're reinforcing it. But like, there are times when I'm like, you know, I don't know how kids get time to just be a, a dumb kid. I know. I pick her up usually at four, you know, bath times at six 30. Yeah. And in between there's gotta be homework and food and something like a life. And it's like, and then, you know, admittedly like she has aftercare so we can work, but you know, I don't, I don't know how a kid gets time to just go like be bored anymore. Like there's, there's a something and that's, that's just even setting aside. We have a very minimal number of things that we signed up for because it's kind of, how I like to roll. Yeah, no, me but there too. Is, there is, we do have, we got brownies, we got play dates, you got all this stuff. This is going nowhere near most of these kids who are taking like three different string instruments in Mandarin. And it's like, ah, <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? Like, when does your kid just get to sit around and like be bored, you know? Or, or for that matter, play, play, we haven't played PlayStation in like three weeks. We finally played PlayStation uh, yesterday afternoon because we had a little bit of spare time. But I don't know. I, and I'm, I'm not complaining at or about anything in particular because I don't think there's one cause behind this feeling that I have. But that feeling of that I have very much comes out of like, I just, I feel like I had a lot, maybe because I was a latchkey kid for a lot of my childhood, but I had a lot more time to just be a kid and like explore the house and like flush things down the toilet <laughs> and all the things that kids are supposed to do that ruin your life. Like that's <laughs> right. her job. She's supposed to go, she's supposed to be like sorting through our stuff when we're not around. She's supposed to be stealing my Scott Pilgrim. But she does not have time to become tricky. Yeah, it's weird. It's so yeah, it's so weird because the way that I remember my time, it doesn't. I don't think they're feeling the same way about it. You know, I feel like even as much as we try to give them that flexibility and to give them the ability to just do what what they want to do, you know, like on the weekend, especially, uh, you know, sometimes my wife will be like, "Hey, what are we going to do today?" I'm like, "You know what." I don't think they want to do anything today. I don't think they want to go anywhere. She's like, I'll get them out of the house. I'm like, they're out of the house all day, five days a week. Like if they want to just lay around and play outside, if we can, you know, encourage them to do that. Like, I don't feel like we need to do errands right now. You know, there's right. so much asked of our kids, even if we're protective of, of that and try to be protective of their time. There's so much asked of them by school and by all these other things that, that they do that. I just, I feel like that's a big difference. I mean, obviously I don't know anyone anymore who just lets their kids, like their kids say, I'm going out and you're like, be back by dinner. You know, that just, that doesn't happen anymore. And that's, right. that was my childhood was like, I got home from the bus. I, you know, took my crap inside the house and, and said, okay, ma, you know, I'm, I'll be back later or more, more realistically, I locked the door and waited two and a half hours for her to get home which also doesn't really seem to happen with kids very much anymore either. It's just, it's such a different world right. now. <clears throat> yeah. No, you're, you're right. And I don't know, I guess this, this gets to a theme that we don't always overtly talk about on the show, but I feel like is a little bit of a, I don't know, kind of a grace note in, in things we talk about, which is, you know, I feel like I sometimes wonder how much of what I do, how I am and how I think uh, can really be traced to the environment that I'm in 
and things that are being caused to happen to me or, you know, situations, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I often wonder how much of that would be any different in any under, in any other situation. Because like in my, in my head, I feel like, wow, our day is so constrained. There's a rush to get out of the house in the morning. And then there's, you know, the, the clamoring to, to get, get the kid to come home. And of course, you know, I feel like I've got to say, let's get some homework done before we do mm-hmm. other stuff. I, I'm not like, you know, mean dad, but right. it's like, I'm not comfortable ha- seeing her while away 45 minutes on video games if that yeah. represents over a third of the free time she has that night. I mean, how sick is that? See, but I don't know. I, I First of all, I completely agree with you in what you're saying. But at the same time, like if if this is something that they really love and really enjoy, I don't know. I, this is something you can, I don't know if you can tell, I struggle with this all the time. I really struggle with the whole- Which, which part? Of like how much time I should let him, and it's mainly him because she she's- playing doll and stuff like that uh, much much more than she wants to be on the ipad at, at age four he's eight if if we gave him the ipad he would be on it all the time all day every day from the minute that he opens his eyes to the minute that he closes his eyes and mm-hmm. a lot of the games that he plays there's one called like blocks world and their minecraft and other things like that that i would put in the category of creative games as opposed to gangster vegas which is just killing all the time he does play that too mm-hmm. and shouldn't and but does and you know like i look at that and I, I think back to when i got my first computer at home i think i was 13 13 14 years old uh bar mitzvah money yes and you know it, it like i had this computer and i spent a, an inordinate amount of time using it and I feel like, I don't know, there's that part of me that's like, gosh, that's too much time for him to be on it. But the flip side of it is like, is it too much time for him to be on it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't either. I, honest, I honestly don't. And yeah, I mean, it's so complicated because it's complicated to me because there's at least these two major vectors. <clears throat> there's definitely, there's one part of it that I have always struggled with and I suspect I always will struggle with until it's just not an issue anymore, which is... um knowing how much clarity to lay down and maintain about walls and fences. So, I mean, and that, that, that gets evidenced like something like last night. Like we, you know, my wife does not love this, but I kind of like the family hanging out and watching TV while we eat dinner. Like, I think it's fun. I think she's concerned that we might watch too much TV and I hear that. And, but it's really, it's a nice, enjoyable time. She's been working all day. Uh, I've been working some of the day. My daughter's been at school all day and it's a nice time to just kind of hang out and, and be mellow. But, you know, there's, if we say, and you know, it's, you know, it's just about consistency. Yeah. If we, if we say, look, we get to watch one, we get to watch one Parks and Rec or frequently we'll say we get to watch two Parks and Recs. That's like two 23 minute shows or whatever it is. And then, you know, when the credits come up, it's bath time. And, you know, the, the truth is though, if it gets to be like uh, 550, we we have time that we could watch another show. There's not really anything else we have to do. I guess we could sit around and talk about our feelings of Reed Proust, but like we could have another one and it would actually be so much easier for my wife and me because we could have a minute to just stare at the iPad or just do something that's not, you know, uh, high intensity, high intensity, like, you know, human interaction. Sometimes you just need a break from that, honestly. And, and if you don't believe that, you're a good person or a liar because uh, everybody <laughs> wants that. Everybody needs time to zone out. 
But, you know, like last night, I found myself saying, no, we said two and we got we to stop it too. Because believe me, I would love to watch it. I'd like to watch seven more Parks and Recs. After you go to bed, I will watch Parks. I will watch all of the Parks and Recs. But I, I have to say, no, we, we've got to have a line here. Because if you, if you I feel like with, a, with anybody, but especially with a kid, if you say something and then don't do it, and then you say something and don't do it, and then you start getting mad at yourself. So I start getting mad at myself because I'm being inconsistent. So I start yelling louder about what the thing needs to be. And then feelings get hurt. And then, boy, you sure get to watch another one because I've been kind of a dick. It's like, right. uh, like right. oh my God, how did I get here? It started, it seems so simple at the start of it. So I know I, I struggle with that. But then here's the other vector that we talked about that I, just continues to evolve in my head is, you know, my feeling that these things that we used to think of as the idiot box are the new literacy. Um, you know, the ability to manipulate objects on an iPad, I got a feeling that's going to come in handy in a few years. Something tells me that's not like what me watching all in the family reruns. Like there's the, the even when she's playing the cat game or when she's playing uh, Minecraft or she's playing Card Wars or any of those kinds of things. Yeah. I don't think that's just strictly stupid entertainment. It's fun. Right. There's something different. There's something very, and I was just having a conversation with my wife about this. I feel like there's something different if if they're playing any kind of game that has to do with any kind of problem solving even that there's something very different about doing that, uh, especially like on an iPad or something, than there is of just watching TV, which I spent a ton of time just watching TV. Like the TV was always on, you know? And I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there are there studies about this. Is there anything that's, that's been done to help us? I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure that stuff all exists out there, but yeah. just something that's really started to obsess me in the last year is starting to try and be more aware of how much my understanding of the of the more or less present moment and my speculation about the future is based on very 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 old information where you know where I, I wonder how <clears throat> excuse me I wonder how often my frame for understanding something is unintentionally based on a technology or even a metaphor that's 40 years old right so and that's why up until very very recently I mean people would Parents would want to patrol computer time the same way that their parents had made them, you know, control television time because they're both a screen, right? And I, you know, maybe I'm being precious about this, but I, I think there's something very different going on here. No, I'm not. I'm here to tell you, like, I, I, I do make distinctions. So, I mean, it's one thing to play Mario Kart for two hours. Like, that's not a thing we do a lot, even though it's really fun and she's really good at it. But, you know, I'm kind of okay with her doing Minecraft for an hour. Like, I'm, no, I'm okay with that. And for a variety of reasons. I mean, partly it is like, it's incredibly creative and it's really fun. It's really absorbing and she can really focus on that. It's not just running around and, you know, stabbing zombies in the dark or whatever. But, you know, also I think it doesn't hurt for your kid to be a little bit conversant in what other kids are doing too. It doesn't mean you have to go all in on anything. It doesn't mean you have to buy the whole season of the Barbie Dreamhouse show or whatever. It means that like, you know, I think there's something to be said though for letting them be conversant in something everybody else is doing. Or the corollary, just because you don't let your kid, kid play video games does not make you a good parent. Like, think about why you're doing that. Yeah. You know, are, are you doing that because of your own fears of inadequacy and being seen as somebody who lets your kid do this like subversive thing that your parents wouldn't approve of? Right. Well, th that's all your decision. I don't, I don't have a role in that and I don't really, I don't have a dog in the fight. But like, I think it's important to look at the reasons why we're doing that. And the, the idea of like, I have to control computer time. Like, okay, well, let's, let's unpack that and talk about what that really means. Because computer time is now time. Right. Like that's, that's what people do. If I, it's like I said last, was it last time? You can't listen to podcasts on a slide rule. Like if I tried to govern my own computer time, I wouldn't have a job anymore. So anyway, 
I, I don't know. I don't know. But I guess, I guess if there's any message to all of this, um, apart from me outing myself as a terrible parent. Right. Is I'm really, I'm really trying not hard, but fairly consistently to just try and catch myself falling back on some assumption that is either baseless or ancient where, you know, I've got some piece of conventional wisdom I've had in my quiver since 1980 and I want to pull that out all the time to seem really sage. And I need to make sure that that's really the case. You know, anything that is truly new must feel unfamiliar. If it does not feel unfamiliar, it is not truly new. Hmm. It's something that you can be comfortable with that will fit into your frame for what things are. But anything that comes along, think about it. I mean, you know, from, uh, from Jesus to hoverboards, everything, everything seems really, really weird at first, and then it doesn't seem weird at some point. Right. It's some, and then it crosses over to how did we ever get by without this or what, what were we doing before this? There are so many things in our culture right now that I could not, yeah, I'm not going to say I couldn't have imagined, but I, I could not have imagined the, how fast the uptake was on certain things in the culture over the years. So whether that's feelings about gay marriage or about the possibility of a driverless car, mm-hmm. those are ideas that were pretty, both pretty science fiction in one way or another five years ago. And even, even a year and a half ago, when people talked about driverless cars, I rolled my eyes. Because I just imagined all the ways it could go wrong without mm-hmm. considering any of the ways that might vastly improve on this terrible sack of meat that presses pedals in a metal machine right now. Like, really? You know what? It's actually not that hard to make a better driver by getting rid of the driver, you know? So I don't know. Interesting times. It is. It is. And I don't, you know, I wish some, I wish I could pull up some report that would make me feel a little bit better in saying, you know what? This ain't going to hurt your kid. And, you know, think back to what they used to say about TV and how, Oh my gosh, if you spent more than 30 minutes a week watching TV, like your brain is mush. And my, my mom always used to tell me that. And I mean, think about, I don't know how much TV you watched, but I watched a whole lot of TV. Of course you know how much TV I watched. I watched all the TV. I watched it all, man. And, you know, are, are we, do we have the problems we have because of that? Probably not. So I don't know. I just, I want. Because I, I consistently, and I think we share this, we've talked about it before, is that we, we both, I know I will periodically feel like, man, I, I, I wish I was a better parent. I wish I was doing this better. I wish I, uh, you know, I always try and do the, do the thing that's going to be the most conducive to my children's happiness and also their overall well-being. And I don't want to parent too much. I don't want to parent too little. And I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I always land somewhere pretty good, but... I don't know. Yeah, and I think you can't know. Uh, I want to hear about something you like, but let's return to a very, very old joke uh, slash piece of wisdom. Uh, this is about the, uh, the, the terribly, terribly, terribly drunk man who's, who's basically, he can't even stand up. He's on his hands and knees, uh-huh. like crawling around <laughs> by the light post. It's, you know, it's, 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 you know, the bars have closed. This man is drunk and he's crawling around on his hands and knees. A guy walks up to him and he says, hey, is everything all right? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm looking for my keys. And the guy says, "Oh, where's the where's the last place you lost? You saw them?" He says, "Oh no, I dropped them in the in the river last week." He says, "Well, why are you why are you here?" He says, "Oh, the light's way better here." <laughs> and that's that's us in life because you know. And this again for like a third hit week, we'll talk, mention that Kahneman book, "Thinking Fast and Slow." It is not unusual at all for us to avoid questions. Not even, not only to just avoid questions we don't have an answer to, but to avoid questions whose context we can't even understand. Right. This this leads to all kinds of like uh, all kinds of uh, biases and thinking errors to where we try to come up with a question that we think we can answer, 
This could lead to straw man arguments. This can lead to lots of ways of trying to frame a question in a way that doesn't break our frame. Mm-hmm. And, and may, I think maybe one of the most interesting things that you can do is try to notice your frame and try to notice when, you know, like in your, your case, like you and me, we're, we're beating ourselves up here. Why are we beating ourselves up? There's at least two reasons. One reason is we, we legitimately want to not suck at being a parent. And right. we legitimately want our kids to be like decent human beings. We also, number two, we also don't want to be seen as being buttholes, as parents. Right, sure. Nobody wants to be seen. So you feel like you have to excuse yourself and asterisks and all these ways of explaining, you know, and, and you, and tertiarily, you don't want to sound like you're judging other people. It's all this, this fraught and complicated thing. And I'm not saying fussing and worrying makes you a good parent. It certainly doesn't. But people who don't fuss and worry, I am very suspicious of. If you are that <laughs> confident in your parenting skills, you may be a dumpster fire as a parent. Oh, man. That's one to grow on. Dan, could you tell me about something you like? I would like to tell you about Bushel. The company is really cool, and they provide something really, I think, really unique in 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 the world for small, medium, and I, I suppose large size businesses too. What they are, they're a cloud-based, what, I didn't even know this term, what this term was, MDM, Mobile Device Management Solution. So here's here's the way that this works. You've got some people working with you. Could be five people, could be 5,000 people. It's a solution for iPads, iPhones, and Macs in the workplace. It lets you manage these devices in a way that's really comprehensive and really affordable so that you can support your, your users, however many there are, without having to have some big IT department to do all of this. So whether it's configuring an iPad, an iPhone, or the Mac, in a certain way, let's say you've got a, a team of developers, you want to be able to hand them a machine and be like, yeah, this has our whole software stack on it, right? Or hand them an iPad or an iPhone with like, this is our standard config. You can manage all of this. You can manage this whole process. You can centrally deploy apps over the air. You can reassign software licenses as your workforce changes. You're thinking about this and like, well, I only have three employees, right? It's actually still useful for three employees. It's useful for five. It's useful the bigger that you get the easier it gets to do this. And you do, again, you don't have to like hire people. You don't have to rely on a big IT group. And here's the cool part. They even have stuff like you can enforce passcodes over the air. You can make it so that people have to use good passwords on the stuff that you've deployed to them. So you don't have to worry like, well, I hope Frank's password's good enough. He's, he likes to take shortcuts. No, you force it on it. You can do encryption over there. You can even remotely lock or wipe a device. And, uh, and they have a special thing just for our listeners. You go to Bushel, B-U-S-H-E-L, Bushel.com slash back to work. And your first three devices will be free forever. And each additional device is just two bucks per month. There's no contract. There's no commitment. Very, very cool service. Bushel, B-U-S-H-E-L, Bushel.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Bushel. Bushel. <laughs> One uh, very small bit of follow-up. Um, we talked a lot last week about a um, an email we received from a listener Jamie, uh, who we misgendered as a uh, as male. Turns week. out um, Jamie is a female. I think so. Mm-hmm. I asked my wife. I, sh- I went in a real creepy way. I went to Jamie's profile. Me too. And I looked at pictures. I, I handed the, fo- the phone to my wife. I said, "What gender is that person?" Mm-hmm. So blame my wife. <laughs> yes. He- email my wife. <laughs> email my wife, please. Bleep bloop. Uh-huh. No, I mean, it is her fault. Joke bot appreciates insult humor. Ha ha. Email my wife, please. I emailed my wife, but she replied. Ha ha ha. Why don't you ever take me anywhere that I have not been? 
And I said, how about to the robot repair garage? Ha 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 ha. <laughs> 17 things that we will only find funny if you are a robot. You need to be a millennial robot to understand this joke. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> uh, why not? What upworthy? What has no, happened to the show? Buzzfeed. Buzzfeed for robots. That'd be funny. <laughs> Dot com. This droid has a bad motivator. You won't believe what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got to get that domain. Ha 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 ha. Buzzfeed for robots. Buzzfeed for robots. <clears throat> TMZ <clears throat> for robots. Mm-hmm. EMP? What? <laughs> TMZ. Oh, TMZ. Yeah. <laughs> TMZ. Too much zoning. <laughs> Number salad. Transitive quality of misunderstanding. Well, that's a good one this week. Yeah. So like I got it by voices discography. So yeah, Jamie was, you know what? Jamie what? wrote back. Yes. And thanked us for mentioning her uh, comment and reading it on the air and never bothered to mention that we, uh, we, we called her a dude. She was a gentleman about it. Yeah. Very, and very. Then, and then, uh, you know what? I should find this. Listen to Jamie. Listener Jamie also uh, posted a, a post on uh, on on your Tumblr. Yes, yeah, that's pretty cool. We should find that. Thanks, listener Jamie. <sighs> I had a breakfast sandwich. I'm feeling a little bit out of it. What was it? Oh, it's a breakfast sandwich. I had it's on a chorada bread. You ever had chorada bread? Y- y- yes. <laughs> I'm not a fan, but I had chorada bread, and it was uh, you got egg, cheese, corned beef hash, hash browns, and some ham. On chocolate bread. Sounds sounds all right. What was what's the problem? The bread. I getting? peel off about half the bread. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lot of bread. Where's listener Jamie's post about this? I'll see if I can find it for notes. Anyway, <clears throat> that Spider Man ever sell? Which four hundred thousand dollars? That ever oh, sell? Oh, the the uh, Amazing Fantasy, Fantasy number fifteen. Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Comics. Comics. Amazing Fantasy. Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. This is the week I'm going to finally read Fear Agent. I'm making it happen. Oh, yeah? I put it off too long. I put it off too long. I got, I got to read it. I got to read it. Um, Rick Remender uh, favorited a tweet that I was mentioned in. Okay. So I'm not sweating it either. No. Who's Rick Remender? Really? No, who is that? Rick Remender. Horrible, Dan. Typing, Rick Remender is an American seen, comic book writer and I've seen artist. A couple things, things he's done. He resides in Los Angeles. He basically did the best run of Captain America ever. Can I admit something to you? Yes, I have never read a single issue of any Captain America comic ever. He did Uncanny X Force, which is one of my favorites. The one with Jerome Opeña that I'm always remember. I sent you all those pictures. Yes, that one I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did Fear Agent. Pretty good. Uh, well, he, that was with Tony Moore. He did what? Last Days of American Crime. Really good Captain America stuff. Oh yeah, Uncanny Avengers. Oh yeah, yeah. He and Opinion did some good Avengers during um during um the Marvel Now. Thing. I'm looking at his stuff. He's amazing. Another good suggestion I got this week uh, from somebody that I picked up was um, Next Wave Agent of Hate. Do you know this? No, I don't think it's, so. Uh, he did the Venom stuff? Did he do the Venom stuff? Might have. He's done a lot. He's one of the big ones. He's one of the bigs. 
Yeah, look at I'm sure I've oh no, I've seen his work. I just didn't didn't yeah. know what I was seeing. Uh next wave agents of hate. This is really, really funny. It's uh it's Warren Ellis and uh, Stuart Emonin. So you know Warren Ellis. Oh yeah. Um and you remember you remember when I was all obsessed when my favorite comic was all new X-Men? Yes. And that was him. That's Stuart Emonin. Oh, cool. That he has, he's a wonderful artist. Yeah, so Next Wave, it's a hilarious meta comic. Uh, it's a Marvel comic that's kind of making fun of Marvel comics. Okay. Except this group is called H-A-T-E instead of S-H-I-E-L-D. <laughs> it's really funny. The, instead of um, Nick Fury, you have Dirk Anger. Uh, Monica Rambeau's in it, too. Yeah, it's really good. It's very, very funny. We haven't talked about comics in a while. I don't want to leave our fans behind. No, I know. It's a long time. And I asked you, I think I asked you over text what I should, if there's something... Really cool. And remember and, what I said? You said you don't read comics anymore. Well, I think what I said. Well. <laughs> you said you're you're a year behind. Is what I no, think you said. I said this phonetically in text. <laughs> I think you said you're like a year behind or something. <laughs> <laughs> there is no emoji for my mind. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, you know, I forgot about Perry the Platypus. I haven't thought about him in so long. I went in and looked at the list of most played songs. Oh my God, talk about tugging the heartstrings. Go look at your list of most played songs. And uh, You Got a Friend in Me is still up there. Mm-hmm. Stuff from Toy Story is still up there. But my nemesis? Remember the song, Doofenshmirtz's song about Perry? No, what are we talking oh about? Oh my God, you've forgotten about it already. What are we talking about? It's just like talking to my child. Do you remember uh, there's a song Doofenshmirtz sings about Perry called My Nemesis? Doofenshmirtz. Am I saying that wrong? I, I don't know what Phineas, we're talking about. What is the topic? You love Phineas and Ferb, don't oh you? Oh my gosh, Phineas and... That was a decade ago. I don't know what... Yes, that was... Gosh, my kid used to watch that, didn't he? I, I forgot With how Perry much the I Little Platypus. <laughs> and yes, a... and Doofenshmirtz. Oh my God, like that complete... Thing was funny? gone from my brain. You jumped completely. I know. Isn't completely that crazy? was gone. It's on a panda. <laughs> I remember he brings him a Starbucks coffee. <laughs> I love Peter the Panda. Oh man. <laughs> I also love. I love that Major Monogram uh, refers to him as Agent P, but Doofenshmirtz, who should not know his secret identity, calls him Perry the Platypus. That's all right, cause I've got a nemesis. Nama nama, ooma nama nama. Uh, and so I was looking at that list. Yeah, and comics. Boy, it'll, it'll tug on your heartstrings, cause uh, what's up there though? It's crazy. I see like my nemesis is very high, cause it's short, and we will just do it over and over. Some Adventure Time songs are in the top twenty. Uh, so I think still some Toy Story stuff is up there. But you know, you know what's like it has is has several in the top ten. What? Uh, Harry Potter. Chapter eight, flight to the fat lady. Music. She, every night, every single night she goes to sleep starting with chapter eight of Prisoner of Azkaban. Really? Just look at the state of his robes. He dresses like our old house elf. <laughs> that's, that's my, uh. Do you do, or you're not reading the. I am not permitted to do voices ever. Oh, okay. No. And I'm great at it. But like she has been, I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed to talk in a loud jokey voice on the street. Can you imagine how hard that is for me? This is all I have. This is it. I have my instrument. That's yeah, what I've got. That. What are you? I, exactly. What am I? My guy used to talk into his shoe. <laughs> my daughter is very embarrassed by me. This is a thing I'm dealing with. See, that's going to happen with me very, very soon. I'm prepared for it. I mean, as prepared as I think I can be. 
But right now he will ask, he'll be like, I'll read. Oh. And then Ron said, he'll be like, you need to do it in a British accent. I'm like, I'm not going to do it in a British accent. I don't do a good Bloody British hell. accent. And he's like, just do, just do Ron in a British accent then. No one else has <laughs> to be so just weird. Ron. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, just do. Or it could be Hermione, but just do one of them in a British accent. I'm like, no, he's like, he's like, just do Snape, do Snape in the British accent. Oh, I'm like, all right, good. I'll do Snape. And so that, that's when I break down. Gillyweed. <laughs> do you listen to the Jim Dale books? I haven't yet, but I'm oh really God, looking forward to it. I'll send them to you if you want. Yeah. They're really good. Um, oh my goodness. They're awfully good. And he's, you know what it is? It's like, I, I'd heard, you know, when I first started hearing about Harry Potter as a thing that might interest me, it was like, oh, you should really check out the audiobooks. There's this guy that does the books and he does voices. And in my head, I was imagining it was like John Gielgud in Prospero's books, where it would be like, like, and I'm now doing a very squeaky voice. I thought it would be like, like asinine, but yeah, it's not. It's, he's, not. He's, it's not ridiculous, but he actually, he does, subtly does dozens of voices, like a good storyteller. And if you ever watch it, like, you can go, go, go search for YouTube, Jim Dale, Harry Potter, and you'll see him doing public readings and it's joyful. The kids, everybody in the room, they just erupt because he's, he's so good at, at doing it. Oh, he does a great Hagrid. And I love his Hermione. Harry. That's also a little bit like his uh, Gilderoy Lockhart, but I'm going to give him a pass. All right. Harry. All right. I think we're helping a lot of people out today. <laughs> I think so. Rubius Hagrid. Hagrid. Somebody recently asked uh, Jim and I who would be cast as us in the movie of our lives and, and what genre it would be. Oh, yeah. And I, I had to I say saw that. That I, was over Twitter that that was asked of you. Yeah. And I had to say what I always say, which is I, I don't even see Jim being played by Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> I see him being played by Robbie Coltrane as Hag. Jim Dalrymple. Or Bobby <laughs> They're very minimal changes. Robbie Coltrane is Hagrid, is Jim Dalrymple. I agree. Buckbeak. Buck, Buckbeak. Buckbeak. We used to have a bird uh, named Binky. Oh. And then we had a cat named Beaker, which we abbreviated to Beaky. Aww. And so my kids find that just a thrill a minute. That, That's uh, adorable. That, that was real. Oh, I love whenever um, Draco Malfoy gets his ass kicked. So fun. Oh, it's good. He gets punched a couple times. He gets hit by the bird. And oh, it hurt my arm. Shut up. And then, of course, Hermione clocks him You know, later in that movie. Yep. That's a good movie. I had a little follow-up about the whole Twitter thing. Oh, good. If you want it, I mean, I don't care. Absolutely, we still we got like another twenty minutes. It's your show. What? Mm-hmm. Hey, Dan, uh, <laughs> what's going on with you and Twitter? Well, I think I mentioned that I had taken a, a little break from Twitter, and I found that I was enjoying the break. That it was not, uh, it was not a stressful thing. I was had gotten some of my sanity, a little piece of my sanity back, and was feeling a little more relaxed and calm. And I found that on the occasion when I did want to check in with Twitter, that this new attitude that I had toward it was very helpful in eliminating that sort of obsessive wanting to check it kind of thing. And I found that I read it much more the way that I might read the news, like if I'm using Apple's very weird and hard to understand news app, that if I kind of just looked at Twitter in that way, almost more as an observer as opposed to a uh, heavily involved, engaged, active participant, but it's more someone who's like reading about what's going on with your friends. I found I liked it a lot better. So I thought as, a, as an experiment, because the mobile experience of Twitter 
if you if you look at Twitter in a like a mobile Safari type browser, it's so bad. It's just absolutely the worst. And every time you tap a link or or something, it opens a new page, a new tab, if you will. All of it is just uh, absurd. So I said, all right, I'm not going to install Tweetbot, which I like, which I think is the best app for Twitter. I'm going to just install the Twitter app mm-hmm. because it's terrible and uh, and and I w- will never want to spend much time in it. But it will be better than just using it in Safari, and that's that's what I did. So now my my experience with Twitter is just like everyone else's, which is you launch an app, you don't like the app, you use it for a minute, and then you you go away from it. But I found that there is still there is still value for me in reading Twitter and engaging in it a little bit, and that's kind of where uh, where I'm leaving it. But here's a strange effect that's happened. I found that I did miss a little bit of that keeping up with friends thing from Twitter. So I did something even more bizarre. I'm just letting myself go crazy. And I, I started, I logged into, uh, there's an app you can get called Facebook. I think Mm -hmm. I launched that and I went in there and I found out that some of my friends have had babies and now those babies are starting to walk. I found out another one of my friends got a divorce I found out yeah, pretty much cancels each other out. People, yeah, people have uh, moved across the country. One is in Tennessee now from Florida. That's not really across the country, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, and none of these things I found happened on Twitter, or if they did, they happened in 140 characters or less and scrolled by in a way that I was never able to keep up with. But here they are in Facebook in a way that uh, is is much more sort of a, of a rich kind of experience. I see I see one of my friends lives in San Francisco, just got engaged and posted a series of pictures from the engagement night and a whole bunch of other things. And it was, it was really neat to see that because he didn't put it on Instagram and he didn't tweet it. He put it all up on Facebook because that's where his friends are. And I've never really enjoyed or used Facebook before. And I kind of get now what what people are doing, spending more time on hmm. uh, on on Facebook because of this kind of sharing. And for the longest time, I was sort of in that mode of, and I think looking back, it was incorrect. Twitter's better. Twitter's cool. Twitter's where like my people are. And in reality, there was all this stuff going on on Facebook that I just had no idea about. And I'm not again. I'm I'm not really publishing or posting very much to it. But it was a really neat, interesting experience to kind of go there and look at what my friends are sharing because for them, this is a big outlet and they are sharing there and they're sharing in it for them. Like Twitter is a thing. That's where you might share, like just updated this thing, pull from GitHub and over here on Facebook, they're like, and by the way, our new baby was born. <laughs> so it's, it, it's just, it's really been fascinating for me to kind of learn the different mindset of that the same people who are in both places would have and that people who wouldn't even dream of posting that their kid was born on Twitter have put up, you know, 30 pictures of, you know, all their families there at the birth and the new baby and all the, this great stuff that happens. Uh, so out of my sort of taking a bit of a break from Twitter, I found that there's this other kind of world that, that goes on there among my friends that interesting things have been happening that I've kind of been closed off to. And that's just something that's interesting in my life because now I'm kind of saying, hey, well, 
what what else did I not give enough of a chance? What else have I maybe potentially shortchanged and and thought, oh, that's not interesting to me, or that's not for me, or that's for a different kind of person? Uh, when that was just me being short sighted. That seems very insightful. Yeah, that's yeah, it's a different. It's a different, um, different dynamic, different point of view. Yeah, it seems. Are you ever on? Do you, you've, I think you've said you're not really on Facebook. I de- deactivated my account years ago. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It seems like, you know, there's a different ineffable vibe to every platform and into, in particular to any community on that platform. There's a vibe and you either like the vibe or you don't, or, you know, you like this part of the vibe, but you don't like that part of the vibe. It's, but it's, it's definitely very different. Um, I don't want to get too far into this, but, uh, Stephen Fry had a big flame out and, uh, hate quit Twitter again, uh, the other day. Um, which, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. I think he's probably better than that, but you know, what happened? Was, there? Uh, it's a long story. He was kind of a diaper baby about it, but you know, people, he said it, he had a joke. People said, said things to him that he didn't like. And you know, that's, that's a shame. I hope he comes back. I hope he cools off and realizes that, you know, anyway, that was kind of, that's what, what happens on Twitter. And, but, but, you know, he went into this, the kind of Jeremiah that we all go into when we get frustrated with Twitter or wherever which is to say like, this is garbage now. It's no fun. It's not fun to be here. It's stressful to be here. And, and diddly, diddly, diddly. And you'll recall me saying, I think last episode, like it's, yeah, it's interesting to say I'm going to quit using Twitter. I think it's much more interesting to think about why you're quitting Twitter or why you're taking a break from Twitter. Yeah. And I continue, I continue to believe that. So I'm looking here at a blog post somebody linked to in a Slack I'm on, a site called Fuzzy Notepad written by Evie. And it's in show notes. But, you know, she had some really smart things to say here. Uh, you know, basically, here's what Stephen Fry says in his blog post about so, And like Evie, I'm not trying to slag Stephen Fry. I like Stephen Fry. It pains me to read this and see so much truth in it. So in what she says about him, but in, here's what he said, basically. He's famously one of those folks, like a lot of us, who goes, oh, you know, everybody gets their feelings hurt. People are, you know, there's no such thing really as, you know, being offended. Like, that's not a thing. You're, you're not entitled to that. So, so the quote from him was, he had said, you know, it's very common to hear people say I'm offended by that, et cetera, et cetera. She says, well, then, I love Stephen Fry, really, I do, but this off-repeated quote is BS, and he is perfectly demonstrating why that is. What he's really saying is this, everyone else's feelings don't matter, but his do, because he frames them as universal rules of discourse mm. rather than feelings. Look at his post again. That's exactly how he words his point of view. Quote, too many people have peed in the pool, unquote. Quote, now the pool is stagnant, frothy with scum, unquote. Fry's feelings aren't feelings. They are a universal and objective standard of behavior, which everyone else is violating. All those angry people yelling that Fry has violated a universal and objective standard of behavior, aha, they're just perpetually offended, you see. Totally different. And I think she's making a pretty good point. Which, and I mean, you know, say what you will, this is, I don't mean this to be about Stephen Fry, but I think what she's pointing out here is extremely salient to all of us, which is that the, 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 the nebulous, confused things other people feel are feelings. And they're silly Mm -hmm. and they don't have any basis in reality. The stuff that we feel, you know, being the center of the universe, each one of us is the standard bearer for the way that the world should be. So when people say something something mean to us or something that we think is unkind or uninformed or incomplete, that's the end of the freaking world Mm. because it's us. Whereas with everybody else, they're just being sensitive. So I like to read something like this from time to time because that makes me think a little bit and get a little rational for a second and clarify my views about how much of this is my feelings, how much is my feelings about other people's feelings, and then like, you know, like how much of this I can truly to get myself to winding into a knot about, you know? It's, uh, you know, it's easy to forget that, it, you know, a lot of times people are just 
trying to play, play along with the joke. Sometimes people are being sarcastic. Sometimes people are being silly. Sometimes people are just being people. And like the amount to which we internalize that is entirely up to us on some level. But at the same time, we have to remember that like just because we feel that way does not make it a universal truth. So I don't know. I've just been, I've been, I read this this morning and I've just been really thinking about it a lot. Well, so it's, that's it's, really interesting. I hadn't heard anything. I guess this just happened. Yeah. Yeah. He hosts the BAFTAs every year. And this year he made a, you know, it's, this is one of those like, oh God, it's like a terrible French play that should never have been produced. One of those plays, <clears throat> I think Gene Siskel or Roger Ebert had a name for this. It's one of those kinds of stories where basically the entire story turns on a completely avoidable misunderstanding that gets blown out of proportion. That's a terrible story. The terrible story is here. He made a joke about the woman who did the costume design for Mad Max, who happens to be from Fury Road, who happens to be a friend of his. And he said, you know, is it intriguing that the costume design person came here tonight looking like a bag lady? <laughs> she was dressed comfortably. He was making a joke about his friend. But let's start with the beginning of the misunderstanding. Okay, so now Stephen, Stephen Fry hates homeless people. Because he called somebody a bag lady. Even though he's making a joke about his friend, he got totally piled on on mm. Twitter. He overreacted to it. This is why I say this is such a horrible story because like everything that could go wrong kind of went wrong. And now this very clever man is not going to be on Twitter for a little while until he licks his wounds and presumably will eventually come back. But you know, God, he's a grown-ass man. Like, <laughs> relax. That's what I got to remind myself. As John Roderick says, leave it. So the reason I, I'm bringing this up, I'm not sure why, but you know, Twitter is increasingly becoming a place where like, it's like the, 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 I sometimes feel like, like somebody goes and makes a joke and then everybody either explains that joke back to them or tries to retell the joke in a way that's not funny. Uh. And that makes it really unamusing, but you know what? It's a social platform. It's there for that. There's a reason that people get to respond to what you say. Sure. So don't put it out there unless you want to hear that response. Right. Whereas that, no, but I, me, I want you make a, a mental note to that. You just said, because there's a lot of insight in there. I want to re return to that. Please continue, but we'll jump back. No, no, to we can go ahead. The only other thing I was going to say was it seems to me that, uh, this is cynical, but it seems to me that part of being on Facebook and certain communities on Facebook is a kind of natural understanding we're going to stay mostly positive about the thing we all mostly agree on. And if you put up a picture of your cat, I'm going to, I'm going to star it. And that it's a positive environment in a lot of ways. People are there to be happy. They're not there to be sad, but mostly. Like when it comes down to the friends and family stuff, you're mostly there to like forge bonds that you wouldn't have otherwise. So that's a difference in tone. It's not there when you're talking to mostly strangers on Twitter. That's all. Go ahead. Well, you explain your joke, explaining your joke to you. Well, more uh, the comment about what you put out there and, and what you decide to share. It's such a good example of the mentality that I think you have that allows you to enjoy Twitter. And I think it's one people who are frustrated with Twitter could learn a lot from, because if you, if you were to go to your, I'll put it into the show notes, your uh, Twitter mm. and read it, most of the things that you say are, uh, to me anyway, uh, are, are funny. None of them are especially deep. You're not really trying to have meaningful conversations with anyone on Twitter. You're more... Here's a funny thing I thought of or saw. Here's something interesting or, oh man, can you, can you believe this thing that happened? It's very light. You keep it very light. This is a compliment, I, I think. And I, I feel like I certainly and other people could learn a lot from the attitude that you bring to Twitter, uh, which, which is it can be as, as light and as fun as you want it to be. And if you're trying, if you're trying to engage with people 
in a meaningful way on Twitter today, I think it's, I think you're going, in my experience, I think you're going to run into trouble. I don't think it's going to work as well as you hope. If you're really searching for answers on Twitter for something, it's probably the the wrong place to go, you know? It can, it's definitely fraught. It I mean, is fraught. It is fraught. because yeah, anybody can take anything you say in any context they want, which is going to happen no matter what. I mean, we're all scrawling on the same bathroom wall. We're just doing it for different purposes. Mm-hmm. I'm writing a line here to get a laugh. Other people are having, are using it like a bulletin board. They're, they're scrolling on the walls trying to have a conversation. So I'm not sure any one of those is more effective, meaningful, or, or laudatory. Uh, it's just, I, what a, why would you ever get yourself into a situation where you have to explain something in that amount of space? Well, that's right, right. mental. So what's your solution? One of 79. Okay. That seems a little odd. Or you could put up some screenshots from your notes app. It's like, wow, this is where we, this is where we've gotten to. This is the discourse. Like for other people, that's going to work fine. And for a lot of people, it does work fine. There's all kinds of people with all kinds of Twitters that are making that work. But boy, don't imagine that's ever going to be me. Right. It's so ill suited to that. But anyway, I, I'm glad you reported back. I'm glad it's having good effect in getting you reconnected with people. You know, it's, I'm always coming back to the emotional part of this, uh, whatever it is we're talking about. But that, that, a big part of this is like what you choose to invest in this, right. what you choose to notice and overnotice, what you choose to take to heart, and what you choose to be, what's actually happening, how people actually feel. And, you know, depending on what kind of mood one is in in a given day or week, well, that can feel real different. It can feel real different. If, if you're in the wrong state of mind, everything seems like an attack. That right there, oh my gosh, that, that is so true. It's so much about your state of mind and it's so much about what you're not only that you're putting out there, but also like what your expectations are. If you go into Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is with the with expectations that are it should be like this and that I don't want to get too like Buddhisty, but if your expectations are wrong, then you're going to cling to those things. And when it's not that way, you're going to be pretty unhappy about it. Why are these people all being jerks? Well, maybe they're not being jerks. Maybe they're just making dumb jokes because they think it's funny and you have no choice but to see those responses because they're at messaging you, but that's because you put something out there and said something. And, you know, I don't know. I think it's, it, we're, we're in a very interesting time because all of these things, like we think of social networks as things that have been around for a while, but they're really, they haven't. I mean, the internet hasn't been around that long, really. And we're still like adapting. I, did we talk about the Snapchat, the, the Jason Kotke's link to the girl and how she uses Snapchat. Oh, yeah. We I'm talked about that, thing, right? But it, no, not much, but go ahead. It's very interesting. Well, and I should probably put it in, into the show notes, but uh, there was a link that was talking. Uh, Snapchat, there it is. Snapchat like the teens. Uh, this was on February 9th. And he says, uh, ben Fe- uh, BuzzFe- BuzzFeed's. Ben Rosen recently got a lesson from his 13-year-old sister, Brooke, about how she and her friends use Snapchat. And he has some highlights here. He said, I would watch in awe as she flipped through her snaps, opening and responding to each one in less than a second with a quickie self, a quick selfie face. She answered all 40 of her friend's snaps in under a minute. Whoa. And uh, and and <clears throat> That's amazing. She says, um, no conversations. It's mostly selfies, depending on the person. The selfie changes. Like if it's your best friend, you make a gross face. But if it's someone you like or don't know very well, it's more regular. And she, he, the uh, writer says, how often do you see these responses? Like, how fast do you see them? How are you able to take it all in? She says, I don't really see what they send. I tap through so fast, it's rapid fire. 
And he then asks her, how often are you on Snapchat? And she says, on a day without school, there's not a time when I'm not on it. I do it while I watch Netflix. I do it at dinner. I do it when people around me are being awkward. The app is my life. And uh, Jason then updates his article and says, I've seen a few people saying how broken her friends use Snapchat is how adults should be or, or, or will be using social media in the future. I don't think that's right. How teens use Snapchat is how many teens use anything they're intensely interested in that keeps them in contact with their friends. It's as adults probably won't use Snapchat like this. But when she says one of the other uh, comments in here, when she says that it's, it's her life, like it, this is how she communicates with all of her friends. This is mm-hmm. her social network, really her social network. Like if Twitter went away today, you and I would probably be like, Oh, that's a bummer. Like, We'll have to find another way to keep up with these people and find a, a, our, our entertainment. But for her, like, that's what we, if you were to take letter writing and phone calls and in-person meetings and then eventually instant messaging and all these other things that we have, like, that Snapchat is that for, for many, many kids all wrapped up in one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing to me. And when we talk about, like, our kids using computers and iPads and stuff, like, I wouldn't want either of my kids spending that much time using Snapchat. Like, I, but I don't know why I'm so opposed to it either. It well, just it feels, doesn't it seem feels, right. It feels foreign. It feels weird. It feels wrong. And again, I mean, this is actually, um, this is a pretty good example of the stuff that I'm trying to get better about and to avoid, like the, the traps I'm trying to avoid falling into. Because, you know, what, you know, if you really try to, you know, get people down to particulars on why, when, what is it when you're protecting your, when you're stopping your kid from using the iPad and the computer, like what is, what is like the number one or two thing that you're doing? Really? Like if you really pin somebody down on that and mm-hmm. said, okay, if you could exclude this one terrible thing from the, like a specific thing, if I could guarantee you the thing you're most, most worried about to it, like a 95% level of certainty would never happen. Would it be okay with your kid to use this without restriction the same way they could read a book? Like do you put restrictions on books? Well, no, no. Uh, if, as long as it's not bedtime or whatever, yeah, you can read a book. I'd love it if my kid read more books. Huh, are you kidding me? Okay, well, so what is it? You don't want a predator to throw your child in a van and drive them to another state. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. That's one of them. You, what, you don't want your kid to rot their brain on a lot of like unwholesome or mindless entertainment? Well, yeah, you want your kids to learn self-restraint? Well, yeah, I want my kid to learn self-restraint. Oh, so, but yeah, but what is it? Is it all of those things? Because <laughs> Guess what? Don't let your kid go to the library anymore because white vans can get to the library and there are books of smut at the library. Mm-hmm. But who doesn't want a kid that wants to go to the library and spend two or three hours wandering around? That's from this old idea of like, oh, we love that. And I still love that. I love that my kid likes going to the library. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be cynical and I'm not trying to build a straw man here, except to say that I don't think there's any one reason other than that feels like a snake pit where there's just nothing but wrong that could happen. As my, as my brother-in-law likes to say, there's no good that can come of it. Hmm. There are some things in life. There's, and he, this was actually specifically talking about teens and texting like eight years ago, nine yeah. years ago. There's no good that can come of it. And so we try to hold it up against some model that in our mind makes a lot of sense. So you say like, oh, well, why don't people ever just sit around and talk anymore? Or why don't people ever like just cook a meal and stare at each other anymore? Mm-hmm. Or like, why don't they do all these things that like I imagine I would like to have done more when I was young? Because like, how many people have really done that in the last 50 years? Okay, so maybe you, maybe, maybe you and your family in Iowa just sat in a room and stared at each other and thought about how grateful you are. I'm sure that has happened in life. But I'm going to bet you 
I'm just going to bet you one part of it is you just don't want to screw your kid up. Whether or not it's right for your kid and you, you mainly just want to be blameless. Uh, you don't want to be implicated in your kid being a, a dumpster fire. Like that's true. Sure. I get that. Certainly an abundance of caution about something you don't understand. Heck yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Like when they want my kids, they want my kids information for some kind of, <laughs> that was, I signed up for the Barnes and Noble card at the Barnes and Noble. And they said, Hey, do you want me to put your daughter on here? I was like, no, no. I was like Ron Swanson. I was like, you don't even see her. She's not here. Please. <laughs> and thank you. Right. Do not look at my daughter. Do not put her name on anything. That's, you know, in that case, that's weird. Where am I going with this? Okay, so let's make it like the old times and let's make it like what we imagine life was like when we all just churned butter and like sanded furniture all night. Like, Cause that's obviously gonna be good for everybody. Right. And we sat around and talked. I don't know that many people of my age who actually sat around and talked that much when we were kids. And maybe that's bad. Okay, so was there a previous generation? Did that many people really sit around and talk all that many times? I think a lot of that has this gold haze around a time that maybe kind of existed. And if anybody in that goddamn house had the electricity and the money, they would have been doing almost anything else to not have to listen to grandpa talk about his leg again tonight. (laughs) So what do we do? We look at our kids and we talk about what dumbasses they are because they're sitting around, they're sending each other pictures and they're not even appreciating the ones that they're sending to each other. Well, to me, like I hear that and like I, I, I see some of myself in that criticism and I go like, okay, this doesn't, I don't understand this, so this must be bad. That's, that's our first impulse, right? You're right. over 30. So anything you don't understand must be bad. So like, what do we do? Do we say to our kids, stop saying hi and giving a high five in the hallway because you haven't talked about grandpa's cancer today? Well, no, that's not what you do in the hallway. When you're in the hallway, you pass by on the way to something else. That's a version of social intercourse is waving to somebody. Is, is waving too glib for us? Waving is okay. That's what they're doing. They're waving. That's right. their version of waving. Right. So like you don't have to stop in the hallway and have a heart to heart about your anorexia. You could just say, hey, how's it going? See you later. That's, a, that's still a form of communication that is not any less valid than having a heart to heart while you churn butter. So we got to get past that <laughs> right. and stop just being you know, cowed or wowed by everything that comes along and deciding it's either like going to mean a reimagining of a wonderful utopia or the beginning of a terrible dystopia. It's just another big pile of silicon that's going to do one thing or another and how you react to it is basically what the story becomes. What stuff. about grandpa's leg? When are we going to hear about grandpa's leg? Oh, they were good times. We, would start, we built our own popcorn from scratch. It's homemade poppers. And we would remill the stones around the fire. Sometimes we wouldn't even have a fire and we'd be grateful. Oh, pound sign blessed. I get to stand a chair. <laughs> Dan, could you tell me about something you like? I would like to tell you about GoToWebinar when you were trying to grow your business. It's time to check out Citrix go to webinar. This is what they do. You need you basically here you are. You're sitting in your in your office. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're a home office kind of person. You need a cost-effective way to reach your audience, to build your brand, to generate connections or as, as Merlin would say leads for leads. your for your sales team. Citrix go to webinar is is the place to go for this. Here's what they do. You take you 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 go and you want to create like a little I think webinar, the word that they're, they're drawing that from is seminar, right? You want to create a little opportunity to, to teach or to communicate with your audience. That could be your potential clients. It could be existing clients. It could be new people where you say, listen, I'm going to be, you know, demoing this cool thing or here, I'm going to do, do a little uh, dog and pony show for you guys to show you what we're all about. Or maybe you just want to walk people through a presentation or something you've built. Like, how are you going to do this? Are you going to try and use these services or you're like streaming and like the camera doesn't work and you can't record it and all this nonsense. No, that's not how GoToWebinar works. Instead, you pick a topic, you pick your audience, 
and you schedule your event, it does everything else. Automatically emails everyone on your list. It sends out reminders as the date approaches. When it's time to present, you hit record. You turn on your webcam, you share your screen, whatever it is you want to do. And, and it just happens. It records. Everyone's there. Everyone gets to participate. And you can post the recording of your webinar online. You can invite anyone who missed it to come back and check it out. Uh, it, it's just great. But if you have to give that presentation, if you have to give that talk, if you want to bring people into the, into the fold, open the kimono a little bit, you can do that with GoToWebinar. And the, it even lets you practice beforehand. It lets you test your equipment. You can make sure everything is up and running. You can do like on-screen polls while you're doing it. You can do surveys. You can have like a little chat thing so that you can basically turn your attendees into like active participants and that in turn like leads to better sales for your business. So uh, go check it out. Go to webinar. You focus on the content. Go to webinar handles the rest. The URL is go to webinar.com to learn more. Thanks very much to them for, uh, for supporting Back to Work with Merlin Mann. Dan yeah, Benjamin. What are you going to do? What can you do? I don't think there is anything. I, um, I think sometimes when people say that they want to understand something like Snapchat yeah. or they say, oh, well, I want to really try and understand this. Yeah. I really want to understand the Republican candidate. <laughs> I think a lot of times when people say they want to understand something, I think what they sometimes mean is they want just enough semi semi verifiable information that they can write it off. Right. Completely. Yeah. I don't think they really want to understand it. I think they want to know enough. It's it's something I talked about on reconcilable differences last week. You know, the idea of trying to expose yourself to stuff that's an uncomfortable idea or a new idea and how you know, doing that with some gusto can help you really figure out what your frames are and if not break them, at least make sure that, you know, you see the frame as well as the image. Right. And, you know, I I think that I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being glib, and maybe I'm doing exactly the same thing I accuse others of here. But like looking around and what passes for like any kind of really thorough understanding of things these days. Uh, these days, here I go again. <laughs> As my old man, Uncle Grandpa Merlin's back. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like sometimes when people say these, those are those are dog whistles or code words. When people say things like "I just want to understand this" or "analyze this." I think sometimes what we really mean is we want to find some way to misunderstand this in a way that's comfortable. Right. Or we want to find some way to learn just enough about this to find the one thing that could be objectionable. It's that black and white thinking, that kind of, you know, um, that kind of syndrome where you go like, I just need to find one thing about this that could be extremely objectionable and I don't have to think about it as a thing anymore. You know, whereas my, my points of view are all very well thought out. It's all these other dinglings out there that, that think all this nonsense and take pictures of each other they don't even look at. I don't know. I mean, there's, I guess there's something to be said for some people who take pictures and never look at them. Maybe it's not about having a print to look at. Maybe it's about the experience of taking the photo. Does that make them a mentally unhealthy person? I've wondered that. But no, I'm not so sure. I think we all use this stuff in different ways. And it's really short-sighted to think that the way that we've used something for 30 years because of longevity and seniority makes it the right way to use anything. I don't think history right, like things have to change, you know, things do change. And sometimes it takes a while before we realize we're the ones who are doing it differently now, or in somebody else's eyes, we're the ones who are doing it wrong. With the exception of talking on the phone, Dan, nobody knows how to talk on the phone anymore. And I want to force people sort of like uh, John Roderick having that camp for uh, the, the, the concentration camp for Donald Rumsfeld and Fred Durst. <laughs> I want to do something similar to teach millennials how to talk on the phone. 
Can I just encourage everyone to do this? Give me an example of what... Speak into the phone. Here's the thing. What do they do? Learn, learn the part of your phone where the voice goes. Are they you know, not doing that? Don't don't hold up the cord like some kind of piece of disused linguine and talk into some part of it. Don't talk into the bottom of your phone if the headphones are in. That's not where the voice goes. Learn where the voice goes. Who's having a pro- who's having a problem with this? <laughs> okay, I can tell that you're tucking the phone under your chin so you don't have to hold it. You are not enunciating. I cannot hear the words you are saying. <laughs> monstrous you know it's one thing to take music out of the schools but telephone education is something we need to bring back to the schools telephony or telephony as you say did they ever show you like uh movies and stuff in school Mm. (laughs) they did show us movies and stuff in school we had film strips we had movies we had overheads was it projectors were you ever witness to a projector you like mean like the, the kind with the transparency, the uh, or, or no, a opaque projector, like a the giant machine you put a book in. A more, I'm I'm obviously using the wrong term for it. It's like a reel to reel film film strip. I would call that like a transparency projector, an overhead projector. No, like, like you, teacher you, writes on. No, it. no, no, no. Okay, no, not those. Like this has like the big like spools of film, like in a movie theater, and that you put it on, and and it's all like. It's called a film, Dan. film? Is that what they call it? But there's like a name for that. A movie film? I don't know. Did you have to, did you watch those in I feel class? like I'm having a stroke, Dan. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like nature stuff. A film strip? A f- yeah, like that. Did you have those in, in school? <laughs> Do they still have those? <laughs> you're talking about where you have an image. It goes beep. You advance it. And then you have another image. Yeah, and but this happens un- 24 non- times a second. And you're watching. It's called a film, Dan. But, you know, but like you would load them onto the film projector and it would have the light, really bright bulb in it projecting onto the wall. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? You got me. You got me. That was good. You got me. No, I'm not messing around. I'm saying it for real. Is that just called a... a You're talking about a large sprocket full of developed film that runs through a series of gears over the space of a light bulb gets picked up on another sprocket, that light shoots through the frames and makes an image appear on a screen across the room. Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's a film, Dan. That's a film. That's a film. Okay. I've got an image I'm going to send to you in the robot. It's going to be really funny because you're going to send me something that's not a movie projector and I'm going to look really stupid. No, no, no. I think you've got it. Right. I just, I'm, I'm the one that doesn't know what it's called. And then like it would have, here's another one that's more accurate. This one, it would have like a little case. So you are you, so screwing with me. You know that that's a film projector. No, I haven't. You, I mean, I've forgotten completely. I told you there's huge gaps. I have huge, like, sections for, of... For, for our listeners, Dan has just sent me two photographs of a film projector. Okay, so it's a film projector. That's what it is. Did you have these in your class when you were a kid? I'm really asking you. I'm asking you legitimately. Because they don't have these anymore, you know. In classes, they don't do this. It's all VCRs and stuff. You got me. No, I'm I, not I, making a joke. Did you? But did you I'm ever? Now you got me. You totally. You got me. You got me. You win. You won. Let it go. You. You got me. They showed us in when I was in school. Do you ever see the movie Beckett? Uh, mm, I know the name, but I don't think I've ever seen Beckett. It is a, a 1964 film. Um, it has uh. I think it's, P- I would need to look this up, but I think it's like, uh, yeah, it's Peter O'Toole as King Henry II, Richard Burton as Thomas Beckett. 
And I just, I remember being shown this in school. I'll put this in the show notes. And the teacher would show us like a five minute clip of this. And then he'd, he'd pause it and he'd flip the lights on. He'd stand there in front of the class and he would just talk about what we had just seen. I, is that kind of thing still going on in schools, do you think? Like when they teach it in the history class? I don't know. <laughs> yes, of course it does. Do they still well, do that? I'm, I'm wait, seriously which, asking. Which part? The, part? the part about having something that is or isn't a film projector or VCR or the part about pausing it to talk about Pausing it, it to the, talk like, like, oh, okay. like that kind of thing. Sure. I think today you, if you wanted to pause it, you'd use the pause button. Right, but do they still teach in this fashion? Oh, um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I imagine. Are you still trolling me? No, I'm not. I haven't been trolling at all. I'm legitimately asking. You. You're talking about a specific kind of uh, pedantic method of going in and watching some of a piece of media, pausing, pausing it, and then talking about it or saying something, and then going back and hitting play again. The lights go off again. You sit through the next thing. I, I would have to imagine that happens in 8 to 90% of school classes. Because I thought that was the worst possible way to teach. Oh, because you're stopping the movie? You keep stopping the movie. You're talking about it yeah, over. And it's because yeah. it's, like, I feel like with this new math, like we were talking about, it's so much better, even though I'm not fully understanding of what it is. I feel like the new math is so much better. And I'm wondering if the rest of, you know, the rest of the way that things are taught is keeping up with that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, in terms of like the technology? Yeah, like the technology, because obviously whatever they're doing and like there's a lot of testing now that they do on computers, like their spelling tests and things like that. They'll do, they've got Macs in the classroom and they'll take some tests and things like on, on the Mac instead of just writing it. They're in, and I don't think it's universal. I don't think it's every time, but I think a lot of the time they'll come in and they'll write something and then on a, the next time they'll have a test will be on the computer. So it's sort of testing their skills and how they relate not just to spelling by writing something, but spelling to doing it on the computer. And we've talked about like the different homework assignments, how you can pick the kids will pick different fonts for their spelling. Each different word. We do that. Yeah. We totally do that. Yeah. And, and I feel like they're, they're integrating, they're using technology in a way that's nice. That is a little bit different. When I was a kid, we didn't have computers in the classroom. And when I was in drafting class in high school, there was one computer in the whole school that had this amazing new program called AutoCAD. Wow. Uh, You know, and like, now you're taught drafting and things like that on AutoCAD. And so I just wonder if these other sort of sort of disciplines are, are keeping up with that or if they're still teaching it. And what I feel like is a, a very kind of strange way to, to teach. It was always, you know, with the, with the VCR up at the front of the class and having to rewind and everything, it always seemed so poorly integrated. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of what you were saying before just made me kind of remember that. No, and, I, I think I understand. What, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. No, I, I think I understand your at, at, at length. I, I think I now understand what you're saying uh, because it felt like I think about like as far back. I remember in 1975, and uh, I mean, really from from all through elementary school and high school, for a multimedia experience, a large cart would be wheeled into the room with a TV. At the top, you yes. at a very high level, so you could see it in, all the way in the back of the room. Yes. So we do films up even into high school. Uh, they would do films, but uh, but frequently, like for example, to watch the parade from when um, the Reds beat the Red Sox in '75. <laughs> so we got we got to watch that parade in class, which is really exciting. Um, but you know, and then over the years, it got to be where you'd have the TV, and there'd be the the you know um, VH VHS machine or Beta. But like, I feel like I remember. God, how could it have been? How did we watch TV? 
unless we were watching like live PBS, how were we watching educational matter on a television set in the mid 70s? Because I don't think we had VTRs. I think it must have been like a local broadcast or something. Maybe. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know how we did that. That's uh, what I was. See, this is part of what I'm wondering because. Like now, would each kid just sort of go and sit by themselves and watch it on yeah, I'm a getting, computer? I'm this because I think if you if you had asked anybody at any point in our youth and really beyond, even 10 years beyond, even up to like, let's say 15, 20 years ago, even in the 90s, like it always seemed like we're right at the brink of having like a, for lack of a better word, a wired classroom. Right. Where, you know, something where like you think about all the cost savings of not having to have you know, all these multiple copies of dealing with, you know, electronic media rather than physical stuff. And that's always seemed on the brink for years. But, and again, you'd have to talk to somebody like a Fraser Spears today who does a lot of IT stuff inside of schools in Scotland. Who's a very interesting guy. Um, but I, I look around though. And uh, I mean, in our kids' room, the biggest technology change since I was a kid is that they have whiteboards instead of chalkboards now. And other than that, I mean, there's not like, and they will listen to music and stuff like on a, you know, the equivalent of an iPod over like a boombox or whatever, but it's not, it isn't like the Jetsons. My kid's classroom does not look very different at all from my classroom 40 years ago. Yeah, It's really, it's, that is intriguing to me. Whereas I think if you'd ask, you know, if you ask, you know, me when I was a senior in high school, I would have guessed it would have been totally Jetsons, that there would be screens, every student would be sitting at a computer that, you know, so I, I bet there's lots of reasons for that. I, bet, I mean, there's so many reasons, just optics. It doesn't look good to have your kids staring at a screen all day, but also just the way to control and control, purchase and distribute the curriculum. It's probably in some ways easier for a lot of people to do that in a traditional channel. Uh, like, you know, the textbook people are pretty ingrained as a, as a, you know, as a part of the culture. So I don't know. I don't know. I like that it's still kind of simple. It doesn't need to be like an old red schoolhouse, but I still like that, you know, they're using paper cutouts to talk about like what we're doing today. And like, you know what I mean? I, I, there's something nice about that. There is. And I mean, when we walk into my kid's school, there's all of the projects at all the different classes. Cause you know, each class will do a, a project or each kid will do, you know, what, whatever it is, they'll do a collage. And so all of like fifth grade collages will be on the wall when you walk in one week. And then the next week it'll be the fourth grade painting and the, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And like, there's something that I don't know that to me is really cool about the fact that kids are still doing a lot of stuff hands-on and how I feel like, especially in the world of software development, that just pretty much everything that I do when I'm not talking on the air on these shows, you know, like I'm building stuff, but it's not, it's not a tangible thing per se. And yesterday I had lunch with a friend of mine who's a software developer and he just showed me, he's like, oh, I finally like got the, my wallet the way I wanted it to be. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, here, yeah, I made this. And he's been like coming up with, he has like a, a wallet design that he's done. And it's really cool. Like it's leather and it's got, there's like a little elastic piece inside that holds your cards on the one side and the dollars fit in a certain way. And like he's made like 10 different versions of this. I don't know how many, but it's, you know, it's like we still as human beings, I think it's very natural for us to sort of crave doing hands-on stuff to like pick something up and, and make something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like kids still get to do that. And I don't know, you know, we were, we've talked in this episode a lot about how, you know, our kids are like in front of their computer or their iPad or something like that. There really is that aspect of them wanting to build something. And that's why I think Minecraft and 
Blocks World or whatever it's called, and these games are so popular because, and like, that's a, the way today for kids to just start putting something together and building it. And I mean, Legos are there too, but right, you know, I I think there's that creative outlet that's very natural for for people to want to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, it sounds like I'm gonna now speak against what I was speaking for earlier, but. Let's also think, when we think about things, things like electronic devices and how we've done things historically, let's also be a little sensitive to the idea that there are different kinds of axes to these things. So, I mean, if we all looked at all work as just being work, that would be a little bit blind, especially when you're talking about elementary age kids. Because, you know, when you go to school, what are the things you learn in school? You learn things like arithmetic, you learn reading and writing, you learn a little bit of PE and music. But most of what you learn is... <laughs> how to get along with other people and hew to a schedule without being disruptive. Let's be honest. I mean, there's a little bit less of that every year of elementary school. But if you think about kindergarten is really about learning how to be a human being alongside other human beings. And, you know, honestly, I would never say a word for or against preschool, except to say that you can kind of tell sometimes mostly which kids have had two or three years of preschool and which kids are away <laughs> from their parents for the first right, time. Right. Because I feel so bad for those five-year-old kids who are away from their parents for the first time. So much more common when I started. I mean, I, I had never gone to preschool. My daughter had three years of preschool before she went to elementary school, which I think, you know, has helped her a lot in a lot of ways. Why am I saying this? Well, when you're learning arithmetic and you're learning reading and you're learning writing and you're learning all those things, like those are all things that have these different... Um, uh, foci to them, depending on what we're doing. So we might, let's, let's start talking about what we're going to do today. Well, what we're going to do today is talk about what's called the long E sound. So the long E sound is, is the sound that the E makes, like E, like clean and me. And so the teacher's saying that and the kids are saying it after them. And you go up to the board and you're writing words with a long E and you're circling the E and saying, now, okay, then you bring the kids in and say, okay, now let's make that sound together. Yeah. And now can you think of any other words? You, know, you see where I'm going with this. It yeah. starts out as like, it's kind of like, you know, like the uh, inverted pyramid. Like we're going to start with this very general thing. It's going to get more specific. It's going to get more participatory. And then maybe it might get to a level where let's say, and I don't know, I'm pulling this out of my ass. You get a handout or let's say you can come up to the board and I want you to go circle the words on the board that you think might have that E sound. Say it with me, E, and the kids go up and do it, right? Now maybe you got a worksheet like where you're supposed to like circle those words or think of those words or do a word search or however, however that would work. Um, so, I mean, is that really just about learning the long E sound? Not really. It's about learning to listen. It's about learning to collaborate. It's about learning to not speak out of turn or, or be disruptive to the class. So that's it. But that's a social thing. You're learning in this very social environment. You're learning together. But then when it's time for you to do your writing, that may be less social. And it completely makes sense for us to like maybe be quiet for a little while while we draw this picture or do this thing. Now you're into the area of like you are yourself dealing with this thing. You can ask, you can ask for help. You can ask questions. You can raise your hand. But you see what, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like to, to say that that has to all be done on a whiteboard is a little bit dim. And to imagine for a second that you could just hand a kid an iPad and say, see you in a year <laughs> is completely foreign as well. And I think this in some ways, though, does go to the fear that parents have, which is that I don't know what my kids are doing right now. But if I don't know what they're doing, I can assume it's probably something kind of bad and damaging. Whether that's sending pictures of their butt to people <laughs> or, or whether that's uh, making this palace in Minecraft. So I think that's a natural, it's part of the growing thing for me and for every other parent is getting to where you're never happy about it, but where you go like, well, you know, my job was, my job is to help this thing achieve launch. And so the more often this kid can do something independently in a way that is safe, like that's a good thing. 
So I don't know. I guess I'm sorry that was long. Except all I'm trying to say is like, there's more to it than just like, here's what we're learning today. Here's how we're learning today. And here's where we're learning today. And in some cases, yeah, here's why we're learning today. And sometimes we'll do that in a big group. Sometimes you won't participate at all, right? Sometimes we'll do this in smaller breakout groups where you'll collaborate. And there's other times we're going to be real quiet and just work on this thing together. And then we'll pull back out and get back together as a group. And I think that's a big part of what makes a kid enjoy school is those patterns and, you know, those little changes and modality and stuff like that that keeps them um, very engaged. But, you know, if <laughs> I think there's a reason we don't have a Jetsons classroom today is like that's not going to help anybody. Right. It's you can't have like an extended learning. You can't have like a community college for for seven year olds. It's a terrible idea. Mm. Mm. Did you have one more thing to tell me? About? I do. Let me tell you about something you may have heard of. It's Squarespace, the easiest <sighs> way to create a beautiful website, blog or online store for you and your ideas. And. I think we've talked a lot on this show and others about what we use Squarespace for. And there's something that uh, that was new to me that I may be using Squarespace for. And I've been investigating this. And it's something that I didn't even realize Squarespace did. Uh, and that is like digital downloads. Um, if you have, like, let's say you're making, you know, videos, tutorials, uh, software, um, assets of one kind or another that that are digital, right? Things that you want to sell. Uh, this is something that Squarespace can help you sell. There's a lot of platforms out there that'll do it, but like they have a whole thing built out for digital products. Like it could be maybe you're doing an ebook, maybe you have like an audio file that you want to do or a video, whatever it is. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter, but it does all the things that you're going to want to do. Someone goes in and purchases it through their e-commerce thing. They get a download link. The customer clicks the link. They have 24 hours to download the product before the link expires. Like it's all built in. We've talked about selling virtual, I mean, real life products like t-shirts, mugs, that kind of stuff. But like you can sell this kind of stuff too. You can also, if you do like events, if you're setting up an event, you're setting up a service, you're going to teach a class, you're doing a seminar in person, whatever it is, like they, you can sell that stuff too. You can build sites that are designed to do that. And all you do is go into like where you create a new product and there's physical, digital and service. And like it, un Squarespace understands that and you can upload all these images for it so people can see it. There's pricing and variance, all of this heavy duty e-commerce stuff. It just sits right in there whenever you want it. It's not extra. It's just built in. That goes along with their SEO stuff and the metric stuff. It goes along with all their awesome templates that they have. It goes along with like the you know, the audio hosting, if you're doing a podcast or if you're a musician, when you put your album up there, if you've got a restaurant or a store and you want to create the menu for it, like all of, they have really thought of everything. You can get a, uh, you register for a year, you get a free domain, you can map your domain. I, I mean, they've just, they have really thought of everything and it's, it's fantastic. So I, I don't know what else I really have to say about Squarespace. It, it just works. Go to squarespace.com slash back to work the uh the offer code it's your show all one word it's your show and you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase and uh just going to squarespace.com slash back to work shows your support for the show squarespace build it beautiful go check them out thanks very much to squarespace for supporting the show squarespace <laughs> you should it's good stuff you should why not um <laughs> Look away, Dixieland.
<laughs> we helped a lot of people today. I think so. Uh, anything else? Well, you know, we got a lot of nice... Sometimes we don't get around to uh, what people uh, ask us about. Well, I have, well, I have a, a question for you. Okay, I got to go kind of soon. I got to go kind of soon. This should be easy for you. All right, for a, you there. For a being like you. Yes. Uh, as you know, I have canceled cable and I have the HDTV antenna. Mm-hmm. And occasionally I would like to record something off of uh, this antenna. Oh, you saw this in the questions, didn't you? I don't know if I saw it in the questions, but this is it came something... came in just, just this morning, this I very didn't, question. I did not see it, but that's excellent. And yes, of course I saw it. Uh, here's my question. Do you know how to do that? There used to be something from Elgato that mm-hmm. was a little device that would one end had a coax plug on it, and the other end was, I think it was USB. It might have been Firewire back in the old days. And it was just a little little box a little dongle that would allow you to get that signal in and then you could record it and it also had like a tv guide type thing so that you could use it as a dvr to record those things and apparently they don't sell it in the u.s at all anymore and the the competitor to it and i remember again from a few years ago from researching this that the competitor essentially had the same exact thing and i think the hardware was very, very similar, but it was always designed for P, uh, for PCs, for Windows and Linux, and not for uh, for Apple. And I think that's Hoppage, H-A-U-P-P-A-G-E mm. or something. Do you know anything about this? Are you, in fact, doing this? Uh, or or is this outside of the scope of what you're I don't, and I'm not. Uh, I'm kind of, I am kind of curious about it. Um... Uh yes, yeah, so 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 the notion is here. There are a variety of ways to do digital video recording if you have cable, satellite, or what have you. So right. you could be using something like a TiVo. Mm-hmm. You could be using something like your Comcast device. I'm sure there are similar things, but the basic TiVo-like DVR functionality of saying take this signal, which equals you know Game of Thrones, and record it. Right. And and a little bit of smart functionality again, TiVo-like ability to subscribe and things like that. So where it would know your channel listings for OTR or, over, or OTA over the air um, listings. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I found a device. It's called the ITV Hybrid. It, it is a little like USB stick, but it is not available in the US. And I don't know, I don't know why, but that I used to use it. And I didn't know because there are sometimes there's a program that comes on. Like recently there was a 2020 that came on They'd had the interview with the mom from the Columbine thing 17 years ago. And we were, you know, it wound up on Hulu a few days later, but it would have been really neat to just have recorded that and, mm-hmm. and not have to go searching for it. So apparently that it's not Elgato anymore. So if our listeners know, I, I sure would love to know. And we will relay the oh, answer. Oh, this looks great. Here. It's a dongle. It's a dongle. Yeah. You just, you just pop it into the USB. It's like the size of a thumb drive. Right. You pop it into your... TV? Yeah, one one end goes into plugs into the coaxial cable from your cable and the other end, the USB end, goes into your Mac. Oh, I see. I see. So it's a way to watch over-the-air television on your Mac. And more than just that, you can watch it, you can pause it, you can re- rewind it, but the way that I used to use it ages ago was to record oh, I see. things on the TV before we had, everyone had a DVR on their cable 
network. Um, That's interesting. But basically you go in and, and you tell the software, I'm using, you know, digital cable or I'm using satellite or I'm using over the air and it'll scan, it'll find your channels. It basically, that little thing is a tuner. It's the TV tuner and it lets you record that. And I guess it's essentially making like QuickTime files or some kind of movie file on your computer. And of course, if, if you're like us, you could easily just have that, save it on export with a little automation, it would drop it right into Plex and then you'd have your new TV show that you recorded or a football game that you wanted to watch later or whatever. Huh. And it has smart playlists, it has series guides, it, it used to push it to iTunes and all this stuff. But so I'm I'm looking to see if they if, if anyone knows about something like this uh still around for I'm trying to figure out why they discontinued it. I don't know and I have not been able to find I mean, out I can anything. I can certainly speculate. Why do you think? Uh, that there was something in the chain that was either breaking some proprietary hardware or software patent or was hmm. or, there, or there was something about an FCC type thing about the legality of doing that conversion. Which maybe, maybe they still make... Uh, like there's a thing, you could, there's that hack where you could basically have this box hosted in the cloud yes. that would record local TV for you. Right. And like, like why did that get shut down? I mean... There were reasons. Yes, there were reasons. I, I don't... just spoke in Mandarin. I'm so sorry. What happened was there was this service that came up. It said basically, um, how did it work? You would get, it was almost like a seed box for over the air TV. You'd have this box that would sit there in, and would be able to get the signal, I think via cable, of wherever you live. Any of the things you could get over the air, it could basically, I think, record to this magic box in the sky that you could stream from. Something like that. But it, it wasn't around for too long before it got shut down. Yeah, the only thing that that I think this is different because you're actually it's all you're already getting it. It's coming into your house. They still make one. This Hopage company makes one called the Win TV HVR nine five five Q. That's a pretty name. Yeah, um, yeah, they're really good at their marketing stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I have not been able to find a version of it for the Mac. So. Anyway, uh, I'd love to hear from our listeners. On yeah, this. if people have a suggestion, please uh, hit us up. Uh, I would love to hear about that too. Yeah, it's, it's, it still feels so strange to be able to watch the Grammys or to be able to watch the debates. And I just, I have to, it's, it's just strange that like we can do that now. Yeah. And then just watch so many car ads. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm, Viagra, that's a thing that's popular. <laughs> mm. Boners, boners, boners. Enjoy your Supergirl. Nice. Yeah, nice. Thanks. Family viewing. Hey, hey, listen, I got to tell you, I think we helped a lot of people this week. I think so, too. Okay, let's button this up. I love you. Love you, too, Merlin, man. 